And we're live. Another episode of The Oddest Couple. I'm Felix Levine. To my right is the star of the show, John A. Light. Uh, some quick announcements as per usual. Like this video, subscribe, and then Legacy 11 Vodka that John is holding a bottle of. 11 times distilled, 11 times filtered, sugar-free, and gluten-free. And I drank 11 shots. <laughs> you drank 11 shots before you started, so it's going to be an, an extremely fun show. Um, a couple of things before we get into it. Uh... We came out recently with uh, an episode about Sammy Gravano exposing him, and we got a lot of feedback. Now, we had mentioned in uh, in a prior episode that we would touch on this because there have been, well, I'll let John talk about it, um, but he was involved in some things that go a little bit farther than I think is what most people know him for. Um, really not great things at all. And uh, John wanted to touch on them. And then I think, too, what we should do is maybe we answer some of the, the comments that were on our, yeah. our video for the first time. Um, but I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take, take away with, with, uh, with regards to what we wanted to, to touch on um, from our last video. Robert DiBernardo was known as DB. And he was the owner of uh, the porn industry. Probably one of the biggest ones, and the, the company, the corporation was Star. There was also another corporation called Astro, but that was with another family. Uh, but we're going to talk about Star and DB. Uh, DB was directly around Paul Castellano giving all boatloads of cash uh, to Paul Castellano. When Paul gets killed, uh, Sammy Gravano becomes and is already friendly with D, becomes his, his uh, go-to guy. And he's directly involved in the day-to-day -day business with child pornography and uh, DB. Uh, eventually, DB is killed in about, uh, I believe, June or July of 86. He goes missing because there was paperwork that was uh, discovered in his office when there was... Uh, a raid in that paperwork. They were worried about DB exposing uh, Sammy and other guys in the uh, pornography business. Um, so that's the start of, of, of some of, you know, when some of these people are writing and they don't know the history of the mob. And for the people that don't know, one of my co-defendants that testified against me was Peter Sicaro. Peter Sicaro married DB's daughter, Cindy. So uh, I'm familiar with DB, I'm familiar with his daughter. His, uh, his daughter had nothing to do with that business, actually. She was pretty nice, friendly to talk to. And uh, we would see her, you know, around occasionally. And uh, also, while Peter was married to her, we would see her. So when you say, like, involved, what exactly do you mean? Well, he got envelopes. He would go there, day-to-day -day business, sit with them, discuss the money was being made, discussed the running of the business, discussing the future of the business, uh, and every aspect of the business he was involved in. Uh, later on, uh, DB gets killed, but he gets killed because uh, Sammy had concerns about the knowledge uh, DB had about him and who he says as other people involved. But anything that I've looked into or, or, we, or anybody that knows him knows that this is what Sammy does. Any partners that he has, he uh, says or does something to kill them so he could control the money. Uh, but again, he's not the one that's personally killing him. When DB gets killed, uh, the story has it that uh, DB came down to a, uh, Sammy's cafe downstairs and uh, uh, somebody shot him from the back of the head and then they took him from there. So these are typical... You know, it's like me and you sitting here, somebody comes from behind the curtain after we're friends with him and they and I set you up and they shoot you in the back of the head. This is this is his MO. Uh and when people don't understand why I have the bad taste in my mouth, because he's done everything that you could possibly do that is completely I mean, if anybody that is approving the porn business child pornography, then I guess you'll write to me on this and and tell me uh, you're still look up to this guy why so why do you think he gets involved in it in the first place just purely lucrative business purely lucrative greed doesn't care what he's doing to children just what i said he he, he had the, the uh, young boy kaiser killed 
uh, because he, he was there and he witnessed uh, a murder by accident. He's not a street guy. He's not a man. He's not a gangster. He's not a, he's not a thug. Um, this, is his, this is what he does. Um, and, you know, so when, when people are talking about him like they know him, they don't know him. They don't know anything about him. And it's no different than, listen, I, I dealt drugs also. So, but what he did was he involved his children in his drug dealing business. He involved, he involved his family in his drug dealing business when he went back to jail for ecstasy. So, you know, he's done everything he could possibly do and look at a guy and have no respect for him. So, online right here, and I'm, and I'm pulling it up, um, it reads, DiBernardo, who had been the target of a federal investigation into child pornography, was awaiting sentencing when he was murdered by Sammy Gravano. The body was never found. According to some accounts, Angelo Ruggiero engineered an order from Gotti to kill DiBernardo because he had once told Ruggiero that he was not smart enough to be the underboss. Yeah, and this is Sammy's story, and everybody, you know, this is what Sammy's saying. But he's not, he's leaving out the part that he was partners with him, he was taking envelopes off him. He was discussing the pornography business with them. And again, it, Sammy Gravano didn't kill him. It was somebody else that killed him. He just brought him to a room. And these are cowardly acts. These are not like that he's doing anything that he's actually doing. He's not Roy DeMeo. He's, he's, he's not Joey Scopo. He's not, uh, you, know, you know, slew of names that I've mentioned before. He's not uh, Scarpa. You know, this is not who, who he is. He's not, you know, gas pipe. But why do you think nobody, this is not like super talked about in this genre? I don't think people have the knowledge. If you get Fat Sal... Guys Where'd home. you get the knowledge? Oh, I've been around the, the, our family so, since I'm a kid, right? So when I've been around since 82. So when you get a guy like him, that uh, Fat Sal was, is one of the guys that were going to hit uh, Sammy. He's the one that plotted the hit of Sammy. And Fat Sal knows, you know, when guys will tell you, well, if he says this ain't true, it is true. You got him that knows about it. You got Andrew that knows about it. D. Donato, you got some sharp guys that were street guys that were involved with our family for years that know every inch of this. And uh, they know everything about Sammy since he's young, his crew. When, they know him since he was stealing tires in his 20s out of the trunks of cars. He didn't have money. You know, you're stealing you know, tires, that's usually somebody that has a drug problem that's doing that. So he didn't have a drug problem, he was just penniless. So you know, when he puts his image of himself, these are all not factual, these are all lies. And these are the things that guys talk about that know. You know when, he's, when he talks about he's intelligent, and I don't remember the name of his corporation, he had a corporation of a uh, construction company that he named the same construction company in Arizona. That's how they found him when he was in uh, witness protection. So that's how they found him, and that's how they were going to hit him. And not only that, he had, they were going to hit him through his back door during his deliveries. He used to leave the back door open. So it was so easy to get, to, to get him at that same time also. And, you know, later on when he finds out that he's going to get hit, he, he calls the uh, FBI and the FBI had the wiretaps on on certain guys. And Pete Gotti was uh, one of the guys who were plotting against it and get hits with, gets hit with this case. Next, I think what we should do is answer some of the comments that were on the first video that we, that we made with yeah. regards to this. Some are not questions, some are more comments, but curious to get your reaction. Alight and Sammy both are only being human as to your grandeur slash my grandeur. This is how I see it. In all jobs, you have a guy doing a lot of work getting little accolades. Many occasions, you have the smusher getting promotions. This is the back and forth with Alight and Gravano. No, this is facts. He was in prison. So for that, for that person that wrote that, he was in prison. He reached out to me. I didn't reach out to him. He asked for my help. He asked for my lawyer. He asked for my connections and construction business. He asked for money from me. So uh, there is no granddaughter. He doesn't have, he's not one of those guys that can sit here with a list and say, I shot this guy, shot that guy, shot this guy. He can say, I was a weasel and I weaseled him into a, a room or I weaseled him into a location and somebody else did the work. He can say that, but he'll try to tell you that planning it and doing this nonsense, I did that too. I mean, so, you know, when I was planning hits of, you know, I've said of Johnny Gavitt that, was involved in a rape. Uh, I did the same thing from the street into and from jail. This is these are these are nonsense uh, stuff that he's selling to kids that don't know any better that watch the, you know these TV shows. 
Somebody also said that you had previously called Sammy a perfect gangster. They asked me that the same question. Sammy did a, a 45 minute video. I think it's on our Patreon, right? right. For people that uh, want to want to listen to it and hear it. I says he called me the perfect gangster. He called me uh, the Albanian mafioso. He said I would have been one of the bosses, at least the captain. He said that uh, I was a known tough guy, shooter. I had all the qualities of being. These are all his statements for 45 minutes. Uh, now, did I say that he was a perfect gangster? They were talking about me. I said Sammy was a gangster. Was he a perfect gangster? Yeah, he was, actually. He wasn't a, an earner. He wasn't a, 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 a killer by his own hand, but he was a sneak. He was a maneuverer. That's, what, that's the way I took it as me saying he's a perfect gangster. And as my knowledge of Sammy, the way I said it was that he's not a killer. He's not a, a big money maker. He knows how to get around the street and be a sneak. Yes, he does know how to do it. He knows how to set up all his friends. He did that. So who's saying being a gangster is, uh, you know, like it's something great? It's not. I'm the one that's saying it's not a good life. This is a point. It's just a random one. Felix, Felix is going to end up catching a beating from someone. John better get him a snub nose. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um... Let's see, what's another good one? It's funny, some of these comments are like, Sammy is a freaking legend. Yeah, because um, he's probably right now. <laughs> who's going who's gonna to say that? It is user-v9u. U2T8M. Yeah. I'd love for them to call in directly. So, you know, when they talk that without knowledge. Uh, and, and, yeah, how about the one the guy says that Sammy's not afraid of anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. There's, there's, there's 1.1. So there's 1,100 comments. But if he's not afraid of anything, then why are you living in Arizona? Why'd you go into witness protection program? Why are you not in Brooklyn? I mean, I could go through this, this stuff. You know, why do you need paid security when you go somewhere? Now here's someone who who says, you're really trying to discredit the underboss of the largest crime families. Sammy had nothing to gain by lying. <laughs> your boy Gotti appointed Sammy that position. John, I like watching your, your channel, but something that's but posting something that's false doesn't seem like you're telling the truth, basically. John Gotti put him there for one reason only, and they keep saying my boy John Gotti. John Gotti Sr., he had nothing to gain. He had to gain his life. He ratted John Gotti out. So whoever wrote that is delusional. By ratting out John Gotti Sr., he got his life back. So what are you talking about? The guy ratted. I mean, he ratted from day one, and he used the excuse of John Gotti Sr. You were in the same jail as John Gotti Sr. If you wanted to be a gangster, you could have killed him in prison. Everybody knows the way you, you handled yourself around John. You, John demanded, and you listened. So, you know, whatever John said you did, you're not, the, the, whoever wrote that doesn't know what they're talking about, not even the least. That's why I said he carried his umbrella for him. I mean, he didn't ask Joey Scopo to carry umbrellas for him. He was friendly with him forever. He didn't ask uh, Johnny Kinnick to carry umbrella for him. He knew that he could maneuver Sammy any which way he wanted. The only thing he also knew was he couldn't trust Sammy. He talked about that on a regular basis. That he, and he talked about it on tapes. He talked to Frank Lucasio in that apartment at the Ravenite. And he was basically saying to Frankie, let's kill him. And Frankie was very quiet about it because they were in, a, in the apartment. He didn't want to talk. Would love to see you and Junior Gotti reunite. In the ring. You know, you know what the thing is? You know, when people talk, my life has moved on. And I keep saying the same thing. I travel around the world and... You know, and I get into this, this genre, we were the first ones in this genre. Everybody followed me in this genre. I says, and you know, this isn't nothing personal with me, it's Sammy took shots at me. So when he takes shots at me, he doesn't pay me back $3,000, then I'll expose everything that's true about him. And yeah, I was around John, and everybody knows I like John. Uh, the father was, you know, you, as a kid, I looked up to him. You know, so I'm not going to say anything. Are you mad at him for certain things? Yeah, just like any other son would look at the father, get mad. Like, I got mad at my father. So, yeah, I've said things. And I said things in Sammy's favor. You, every time you say something, sometimes it's not exactly it's how you feel that day. And I'm not going to take my words back. But the, 
the facts of the matter are he won't sit with me because he knows I'll, I'll destroy him. I says, on all the bullshit that he throws out there, the same reason Mikey Scars is abusing him now. Same reason that uh, Dom Sicali said a lot of things now. We're all, uh, you know, putting him out there since he has a lot of shots at everybody. He took shots also at uh, Gunner out of Detroit. He took shots at, he took shots at uh, Larry Mazza. So now we're all going to, you know, everybody's going to tell the truth and expose what people really don't know about this guy. What, but they do know that he's screwed everybody in his life that's ever did anything for him, especially John Gotti. He's screwed. Someone said, I'll pay 10 racks to see Sammy and John go face-to-face, man-to-man on the podcast to clear the air up. Unfortunately, they're going to, they would back out. I'd never back out, never. So whoever said I back out, I have no reason to back out. He, he wants to talk about, like he said, he was, he was challenging me as far as what I did on the street. I'll go by name, by name, by name, by name. He says, and that's no that I'm trying to get any accolades for what I did because I'm, I'm disgusted with that life and what I did. But the, the truth is the truth about the past. Uh, he can't sit and talk like that. He can't talk about heist. He can't talk about hijackings. He can't talk about anything. He did penny ante nonsense. I heard some of his ridiculous stories he told about robbing a house and the, he had the whole house in there for two cents. They sound like a, you know, a crackhead move. But basically a lot that I've said, like, that Sammy lives in your head rent-free. I think you should <laughs> address that. Let me, I, I got to address that. I travel the whole world. I'm in every country. I'm in magazines. I was the, just now as the cover of Life magazine in Germany. I'm on TV shows all over the place. I play in movies all over the place. I make money legitimately in different areas outside this genre. Sammy doesn't live that, leave that little box in Arizona. He doesn't travel because he's too scared to go out of the country. He's too scared to go to another city. He's too scared to come to New York where we all grew up. I says, where we all love the city. So when someone says something ridiculous like that, it's got to be him writing it again. I mean, who's going to write something like that when I, I live my life everywhere? This guy wishes he could have a life that I have. There's another one that says, time to get these two together for a sit-down interview. He won't talk. He's not intelligent enough. That's why he won't talk to me. He, he, you know, he, he did it with Michael Francis. Michael Francis picked him apart. He's too intelligent for him. He can't sit with Mikey Scars. He's too intelligent for him. All these guys are too smart for him. He'll never sit with Larry, me, or any of us. This guy's got a, a free pass as a fraud when he was on the street. He should have stayed that way and kept, kept quiet and stopped making enemies with everybody. It's interesting. Someone said... Alan G says, I've listened to all Sammy's videos, and I have to say, I believe every word John says here. It all makes sense. Which I think, to people's points, it's not just about like how things sound. Um, what you've said, and I, like I've personally also like researched it afterwards or before as well. Um, like there's, there's people can go and look this stuff up that you're saying. It's not like you're like. <laughs> <laughs> taking pulling things out of your ass yeah it, you know listen you know i like when somebody says first off I, and you know i said this before i never got caught with anything different than him he got caught with a hundred things i got ratted on it was a different i was sitting in a penitentiary not talking everybody was talking against me that's first second i was the guy out doing the work i say it by name every time i talk about it so he didn't he's trying to pretend that he did these things and that's why i called him out on it he could have said yeah, I wasn't a shooter, but, you know, I, I set these guys up. should have said that. You, know, you don't got to be a guy. I say it all the time. You don't have to get the one fist fight to be a man. You can be the biggest man ever. But when you portray a fraud, you know, perpetrate a fraud, yeah, you're a fraud. That's why I'm calling you out on it. I think, yeah, I mean, there's – you already touched on this, but this person – and I think it's good that we address, like, the quite all, all questions – is during an interview with Patrick Bet David, you called Sammy the perfect gangster, which we already talked about, and they then ask, how can he be both a fraud and a perfect gangster at the same time? Well, first, when I first, and I told everybody, I didn't know Sammy that well on the street. He was on our crew, just, he wasn't in our crew. He had his own crew in Brooklyn. We do business with each other. We, I'd say hello to each other, that's it. When you're not involved with a guy from another crew, unless they're your age and you're going out partying with them and different things, you don't really know him. Did I know Sammy intricately? No. When I started looking into everything, yeah, I, I got to eat those words that I said that because it's not true. 
So, you know, what I said earlier, is he on the street? Yeah, he's a maneuver, he's a weasel, he's all those things. He is a gangster, he ain't a perfect gangster. And when I did say it, I, I, I got to say, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't really look into it till all these guys that grew up, he started giving me more information that stayed with him. Guys in his crew gave me information. And then I started looking at the things. And once I found out and I started looking into it, I even believed he was a shooter. Because you don't ask somebody these things when you're on the street. You think it because you're hearing things. And all I just said it earlier in another show. You can pretend because so many guys are getting killed all over. We don't know who's who. But once he started cooperating that the paperwork's out there, we know what he did. It was only one shooting. That's a fact. A fact. And anybody has a lawyer who wants to waste $200 or go online, you'll find out. That's all it is. He's got one shooting. It's over. So, you know, besides that, I told you, he, he, he killed a boy. I says, and then besides that, everything else I say is factual. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else I could say past that. Yep. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find a, a good question that we can answer. Someone said, at 19 minutes, did we take a shot at Gene Barello? Uh, we're about to record with Gene. Gene will be on the show again. Uh, Actually, by the time this comes out, we have to decide which one will go first. But, <laughs> yeah. but You know, for the people that like him or don't like him, Gene is uh, somebody that people like listening to. So uh, And we did our yeah, show with him. not going to make everybody happy. People are always attacking all of us, and that's what happens when you're, on, and you're online. People attack you. But uh, with Sammy, again, if he's such a gangster and such a good guy and such a gentleman, you don't pay back $3,000. And I'm never going to stop either because that's almost, that's so laughable. It shows what his personality really is. It shows what a fraud he is. To be embarrassed, this is a guy that said, yeah, he took $3,000. He asked me to borrow $3,000. Is I could bring my lawyer back on again, Doug Anton. He'll tell you how he got him as a client through me. And you know, the guy lies about everything. He lied about the, the, the Louis de Bono hit. He lied about uh, Frankie Lacasio liking him. Frankie Lacasio hated him. I was working on the case to get him out of jail. I mean, these are just complete lies on his part. And you know, I could bring in Fat Sal and different guys that could tell you that this guy's just full of shit. They know him their whole lives. And those are my personal friends. So these guys know him intimately. Did you guys ever have an encounter, an encounter with some Philly mob ex-wise guys? I saw Joey Merlino start a podcast. What about a sit down with you guys? Joey's gonna, Joey's not gonna sit with anybody. He's, you know, so he's gonna hold his whatever he says on his show. And like we said on the last show, I don't care what Joey does. I don't pay attention to if he does something. He doesn't do anything. That's his business. You know, when guys are gonna talk against you or say something, I guess guys will talk back. You know, people are all going to have their feelings of what he's doing, what I'm doing, what he's doing. So that's just life. Everybody has an opinion. You can't stop that. But he ain't going to sit with nobody because then he's putting himself out there even further. But you would sit down with him on his podcast? I have no interest one way or another. There's really nothing to talk about. But, you know, so I don't know what they want to accomplish by me talking with him, but... Anything that I've said about Philly, the guys I grew up with in Philly, guys that know me, you know, Turchy's son, different guys that, you know, do I know Joey? I met him early in the 90s, at, uh, years ago. I've said some good things about him, and I've said some other things about him, honestly. Like, but everybody's going to have an opinion, so, you know, but there is nothing to talk about. His mob wasn't, his guys weren't involved with us. I know his friends from uh, Philly and whatever involvement I had with them down there, it doesn't involve him. For the 900th time, do you want to clear up why it is that Sammy was an underboss, A-Light never even was a made man? <laughs> because whoever answered, you fucking idiot, I'm Albanian. I says, it doesn't make you a man because you're Italian and a made man. We could give a shit, and I could give a shit who's made. Anybody that knows me, truly knows me, or any of these agents that are doing interviews and doing TV shows, ask them if I gave a fuck who anybody was made or not. If I had a problem with them, they'll know about it. I'd go after them. That's why Ronnie Warnham, captain in the Gambino family, said you got to be nice to Johnny A-Light or he'll kill me like he kills everybody else. So I didn't say that. He said that. So you guys that don't know anything, you better do a little homework before you insult me or insult anybody. 
if you insult Joe Watts or, or what I said, Jimmy, Jimmy Burke or any other guy that wasn't any black guy that stayed with me, because none of us, if you're from the street, you don't give a fuck about anybody's title. There's a bunch that said that we did this episode for views. Do you want to address that? Yeah, 100% I did it for views, you stupid bastard. I wrote that too. This is why we do shows, for views, for money, for, for our sponsorships. And I brought him in on this also, Sammy. So whoever wrote that, yeah, same reason he talks about me, for views. And you, it's, but they're factual. It, it's views, but it's factual. So if you're interested in hearing facts, then I'll tell it to you. But when Sammy talks bullshit, then we're going to call him out on it. And Sammy got in this business because of me. So whoever wrote that, you better understand and follow who was in this business first. Before everybody, this was me that started this. You know what the problem is? These guys are used to, they're not used to our old style living. So now they get to troll and say what they want instead of getting their head cracked open like we used to do. And they know they're safe. And that's okay. They're allowed their opinions, but they're ridiculous statements. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'm trying to find another good one. Let's see. Someone said, what's the age difference between Sammy and A-Light? About 30 years. <laughs> and he looks about 100 years older. Listen, same, th same thing on tape. He's such a tough guy. Why is he in Arizona? If he's such a boss, why is he hiding? No different than Joe Messina did in the rest of them. As soon as they start cooperating, and they don't have anybody to have their balls get snipped. I said it over and over and over again. Then they hide. So if they who, they want to be who they are, then stay in the neighborhood like the rest of us, whoever's here, and uh, be who you say you are. Hmm. Let's see if there's any last good ones. Speaking of, though, the first part of what we talked about with some of Sammy's dealings. That stuff that we that we spoke about, though, I mean, what we're you know, in the beginning of this episode with regards to DiBernardo and stuff like that, this is all things that can be Googled. People that want to look at it, go on websites, Google it. We can actually attach certain websites with Sammy and DB, and uh, that's what we call DiBernardo. So people that don't know, and uh, check it out. And see for yourself. Hire a lawyer if you're so interested in what's truthful or what isn't. Uh, don't be cheap. Get a lawyer and let them go look into it for you for a couple hundred dollars. Since you know, if you want to be involved and want to be part of it, go ahead. Go dig in. If Sammy wasn't for real, someone in the Gambino family would have sniffed him out long before he became underboss. What do you think? So whoever said they did sniff him out, so we'll answer that. Because, again, you just don't know the history. Uh Louis Melito, Melito saved his life because the Colombo family wanted to kill him. They accused him of being a rat and they chased him. And then they, Louis brought him over to the Gambino family. So they did sniff him out very early in his life. Then when he went into, Louis saved him and kept him safe with the Gambino family. Louis was a legitimate tough guy, money maker. And Sammy thanked him by setting him up too so somebody could kill him. Again, for money and bullshit talk. So this is who Sammy is. So every time one of you guys are, are sticking up for a guy that you know nothing about, he doesn't have enough balls to do it to somebody's face. This is how he does it. He's a weasel. He doesn't pull himself. He doesn't go out and shoot it out. He doesn't do it. That's not him. He doesn't go baseball bat somebody by himself. So anybody that really knows the facts about Sammy, you'll understand he was sniffed out and John had him sniffed out. If John does not get locked up, Sammy's going. So Sammy had a little bit, a couple of years that John needed him there for a certain reason since Frankie DeChico left. He was a Brooklyn guy. Sammy had nowhere to go without John. So John knew that he could keep him around and use him and abuse him. And eventually he was going to kill him. And go listen to the Ravenite tapes. He's telling Frankie Lucasio basically, we need to kill Sammy. So whoever's right now, again, you just don't know the history. Let Mikey Scars ask him a question or two about that. Give a little bit of a shout out to somebody who wrote a, a sweet message. <laughs> Looking very snappy, John. I always enjoy the content, but this episode has definitely got me questioning things about Mr. Gravano. Very interesting to hear your perspective. I don't follow much, much else in this genre, but obviously because of listening to you and Felix, I've researched a little bit into them. To my mind, there's what you did in your former life and what you do now. The difference in my view is that you aren't afraid to tell your truth and admit your wrongs. 
And I'm sorry you're not being allowed to fully move forward by these people. They actually seem to be using your endeavors to create themselves for income slash notoriety. I think it's interesting. I mean, A, thank you. Um, It's a sweet message. But I I agree to the point about um, that a lot of the people in this genre, I mean, A, like if if there's truth, which a lot of them not, but if there's truth, um, they don't like to talk about their wrongs or admit their wrongdoings. And that's what I think that you uh, are very, very open about. And it's one of the reasons that I think uh, we've had an audience for years now, because like you're not afraid to to look in the mirror and, and say exactly what you did and, and who you are and how you've changed from it. No, when I first was interviewed by George Anastasia before he wrote for me, he said that. He said, you're very forthcoming. We just had the the woman on um, on our show, the journalist, Ms. Vincent, and you asked her. Yep. She said the same thing. He's very forthcoming. Because I admit that I'm not proud of my past life. I admit that I'm not proud of some of the things I did. But I also admit that none of these guys were going to tell me shit. They were afraid of me. I said, and anybody that knows that about my past life and... I also tell you, I'm the guy that brought them all into this genre. So if you look back in time, you'll see who started this. And when I did favors for these guys, they don't do anything but a backbite you. You know, guys like Sammy I'm talking about, and there's certain other guys. There's other guys that are, are gentlemen on here. And you know, and, and some of you guys know Dominic Sicalian, he's a gentleman. He really tries not to go after anybody thing. Like John Panisi. Uh, when he's on his show, he, he's a gentleman. Then you got some other guys that are, you know, full of shit. I keep uh, sending this back to, to Mikey Scars. He does a good show. Uh, and he, he works with, I forget the guy's name that he works with. He's a nice guy. He's a gentleman. And I tell you, go check with him. Go get some facts. Since you, you want to use, some people want to use the fact and say, I wasn't uh, a, a boss, a made guy, or this nonsense because I'm Albanian. But he'll tell you what's factual. So, and he'll tell you about the violence and he'll tell you how full of shit Sammy's and I heard that he's been saying it. So we're all telling you, Sammy started to tell some, a lot of lies and falsehoods and, and uh, he bullshitted a lot about John Gotti Sr. And you know what, whether you like John or not, uh, I know a lot of his bullshit. I know the, the hit of, uh, of uh, Paul Castellano is his biggest bullshit story of it all. And he's got a plaque up on his wall like an idiot and I don't got no plaques up on my wall because you shouldn't get, you shouldn't be rewarded or even believe that any of this is is a good thing that we did. But he's too stupid. He, he this is all he's got. He doesn't have a life. He doesn't go to Paris. He doesn't go to Italy. He doesn't go to Albania. He doesn't go to Greece. He doesn't go to Switzerland. He doesn't go to Germany. He doesn't go to Brazil. And I can keep naming countries and live a life like I do. This is all he has. Let's clarify. There's been a couple comments that said basically like I enjoy the channel, but um, it does like it feels like at times there's a glorification of the the mob stuff. If you want to clear the air on that. Yeah, somebody says you glorified mob. People are listening to these shows to hear about the mob. So we give you 80 percent of the mob and then we give you 20 percent of what we just said, that this is not a life to live. This is not a good life. This is not a loyal life. It's all treachery. It's all lies. It's just what we said during the Roy DeMeo show uh, when we just talked about it. He was a killer. He was a serial killer, dismembering bodies. But that same guy that everybody feared, eventually you're going to get killed by your own friends and you get killed for money. Those things. And if you look through the history of the mob, and you'll see all the bosses ratting, whether it's Ralph Natale in Philadelphia, again, or Joe Messina in in New York. So when people are buying into this bullshit, uh, I call it the way it is. But history is not going to change. Whatever we actually did back then is what we did. And you got so many law enforcement people that came on our shows and different people that know the facts. So go check and ask them what's true and what isn't true. Watch them on the show. And also, like, to be fair, like, we're literally addressing all of the any comments, the hate comments, like, the question. So I, I, I think if there's one one main difference too is that we we've never strayed uh, or been scared to talk about anything on this show. Well, you know what I don't like is and I, I said it I said it earlier. I'll say it again. If somebody's not a fighter, that's okay. You're not a fighter. It doesn't mean you're not a man. You can be the biggest man in the world. 
you're a gentleman, you're a gentleman. You don't got to be a, a, a street fighter. Actually, you're more of a man by going to work and not fighting. You're an idiot that's fighting on the street or anywhere else or living this life. So, to, but to, none of you journalists or so-called journalists or say you're journalists that do these interviews, and I just brought this up to somebody that spoke to me. Why don't you ask these guys these questions? Since they want to act like they're just out there, they're killing machines. Ask them, can you name the people you killed? Can you tell me the location you personally did this to? Can you tell me a location you personally shot the guy at? Why aren't they asking these guys that since they're talking about it? My, and again, you know, people say me and Mike. Me and Mikey knew each other for a lot of years, scars. We were friends and we had a little bit of falling out. But I still like him. I like his family. I respect him, but the, in different ways. But he doesn't pull that. He doesn't say, I'm this killer. He never talks like that. He just talks about the mob, his understanding he has in a mob. There's the difference between Mike and Sammy. Sammy set up every one of his friends. He didn't have the balls to go out and kill them. He didn't have the balls to go shoot it out with them. He set him up. He killed children and he was in the porn business. He sold drugs with his family. He dragged his family into that. That's not what a father does. So this is the, the, the problems I have with Sammy. And he wasn't even a fucking gentleman enough to send a message and condolence for my daughter. And somebody brought that up in that too, that, that wrote it into me. And you're completely right. It doesn't matter what it is. We, you know, we don't involve families and we should show a courtesy to each other on certain things. I, I mentioned Vinnie Sarah passed away and I, I don't say it in a bad way, it's a condolence. Whether, you know, somebody's life is lost, you, you owe it to that family to say something for them. Whether the family wants to hear it from you or not, at least you're being a gentleman. This guy doesn't know how to be a gentleman. That's the whole point. How do you respond? Somebody said a lot of ex-mobsters say in the beginning when they talk about Sammy that he was the real deal, a man's man, a legitimate tough guy. Why is that? Because like anything else, guys talk about guys that don't know because in our life you can fake it through. If you ask that person, tell me why you call him a man's man. Why is he a general tough guy? Did you see him kill anybody? Did you see him shoot anybody? Did you see him fist fight on the street? Did you see? Tell me what you saw that you're saying that. Because it's one rumor after another rumor after another rumor. And this is what street guys do. They bullshit and grandeur everything they do. But if you check it factually, that's why I'm the only one who keeps saying it. I'll talk factually. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about incident after incident by name, by place, by location, and I'll tell you. There's enough law enforcement that go on now on shows themselves. Ask them these questions about me and about the rest of us and see what they tell you, who's who and who's real. So, you know, you, you want to have a title? How many guys go to a, a any corporation, I'm sure, and you see a manager of a store and you say, how's this knucklehead running the store? He's a dope. Well, maybe his cousin's the owner. That's why he's manager. No different than the mob. You know, that guy that's sweeping the floors, maybe he should be the manager. I just, you know, we talk about this all the time. You know how many, and I'm, I'm going to go back to my black friends because you, you, you guys are bent on talking about tough guys and gangsters by, because of a nationality. So it has nothing to do with it. It has to do with, are you a street guy? And a lot of my black friends are, are tough, tough street guys and gentlemen. But in the way you guys think, you'll say they're nobody because they're, they're black. And I'm the guy that's coming out and telling you, you don't even understand what you're talking about. So we're the guys that they ask to help them. We're the guys that they fear. Because without us, they can't, be, they can't build that name. Because how is Sammy Gravano going to have a name if he only shot one person? Right? And that's laughable in the Albanian in culture. When they heard about that, that this guy really only shot one guy, I'm talking about the street guys, gangsters. They left because it is a joke to us. Because this is what they do. They bullshit everybody. That's why he said his name's not Sammy the Bull, Sammy the Bullshit Artist. And Fats Al will tell you that's a fact. So will Mikey Scars. And they, they know what the, the truth is behind this. Someone asked, why does everyone here in the comments care about who's a fraud and who's not? What do you think about, why do you think people get worked up about trying to figure out who's a fraud, who, who did? Because he sells this underboss shit, right, to, to say, and first off, let me back up. 
because number one, I'm going after him because he owes me three thousand dollars. It's the point of that three thousand dollars. And just for it's not the three thousand dollars. Like it's not like life changing oh, money. It's the principal. It's I don't need his three thousand dollars that I gave him, but it's the principle that he thinks he's slick. So I'm trying to show people what kind of gentleman, what kind of real guy would not pay back the 3000 He's a fucking deadbeat. He's been a deadbeat since he's a young guy. And the thing that annoyed me is he took cheap shots, shots at me. He instigated a couple different incidences, in which he knows what he did. And he thinks he's slick. He thinks he's pulling strings in the background. And, you know, if anybody knows anything about me, the guy that's pulling the strings is the guy I'm going to go after. The guy that he sends, to, to do, I don't got a problem with that. I'm going to go after the, the guy. You, he wants to be the guy pulling strings and sending people and doing this. I'll continue this. The same way he's on my page is like a, like a troll himself. He thinks I don't know what he's doing. He's not that intelligent, trust me. People think I don't think they don't know him like I do. Yeah, I think we, we've covered more or less everything. Uh, someone said, what do you think Gotti would think of you and Sammy going back and forth right now? Gotti would have told me to kill him in 1991 if he, if he never went to jail because of Sammy. He wanted me to kill him. So he already knows this. This is why I said he's a bullshit artist. I, I can't stand... People like him. Just be up front. Me and him had this discussion at the beginning. God, he wanted to kill him. And and, and, and I'll tell you the truth. For whatever reason, I have no, no idea why. I said, this guy wants to pretend. You know, way, that life is over for him. You know, I got to tell you something else. That one shooting, the one killing you, you did, the one. Let all the people know what year that was. This is how desperate this guy is because he has nothing else in his life. I just said this. He doesn't go to the beach. He doesn't go out socializing. He does out dinner in restaurants all over. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He doesn't dress up. He had, I don't know, 16 facial surgeries already. I don't know how many of those he did. I said, the, the guy's just a narcissist bastard. This is that nobody understands. This is all this guy has. He doesn't socialize. He doesn't travel around the world. He doesn't go on cruises. He's not in Aruba. He's too scared to go anywhere without armed security because he's scared somebody's going to kill him. So that's the facts. Now, if he just was a gentleman and quiet and didn't talk like he was this uh, pro prolific killer, like he's Roy DeMeo, or he's uh, a gas pipe, or one of these other guys, then then I, I would respect him. But you can't respect somebody that, like him. He's full of shit. So to answer the question, yeah, John Gotti would have had him killed a long time ago. He would have said, keep abusing him, John. Somebody said, is Sammy in witness protection? He was, and that's where they moved him down to, Arizona. And uh, that's where they were going to hit him. At uh, They had the pizza place. They could have hit him right through the pizza place at the open door. I think it was in his son's name. He was done. He was hit. Pete Gotti, nice guy. I like Pete. I always said I like Pete. But Pete never killed anybody. Pete's not a shooter. And, you know, for the people that don't understand, he was a boss. They made him an acting boss because John was controlling him from jail. And he was pulling the money still. So this is about money. This isn't about guys. If, if he had a real shooter around him, then, you know, John at the time would have had him killed easily. But, you know, he didn't have guys at that time. You know, it was over at that time for him. Someone said, how can I figure out who's actually telling the truth? Where should I look? FBI guys, all the retired agents. All the guys ask him. They'll tell you how many shootings he's really got. Uh, you could get a lawyer, same thing, what I just said earlier. He's got one. Well, why don't somebody just try asking him? Forget the, doing research. Whoever that guy is, get on, a, on one of his shows and ask him directly. One of these you know, fake journalists that ask him questions and won't ask him directly. They'll let him ask his answer what he feels like answering. These are beach ball questions. I never stop anybody from asking me anything. Never. Not one question that I ever ask ahead of time. I go on live shows. You can ask me anything. This guy doesn't, this guy won't let you do that because he'll end at one. How many shootings you do? One. So why are you telling everybody you're this big time you're good at killing? You're good at shit. You're good at bullshit. That's the fact of it. And this is what makes kids believe this shit. Question for John. What was the Chicago Outfits reputation from the New York Wise Guys? I mean, years ago they had a, a strong outfit. And then after that they got watered down very weak. Uh, 
Frank Calabrese, the junior, is, you know, he's done some interviews about his father and some of the guys in Chicago. I knew a handful of them, uh, some I was friendly with, and uh, some I, I, I had a lot of disdain for, so um, they're not the same. Nowhere near like what it was years ago. For a million dollars each, do you think that you, Sammy, and Gotti Jr. would sit around a table? If I was Gotti Jr., I would be, uh, you know, I know he taxed me a lot. I never understood that. This guy's the one that killed his father, put him in jail for, for, for life, had him suffering day and night, chained to beds, choking on his own spit. And how he doesn't go after him nonstop when he was doing talks and everything, I don't get it. I mean, you know, if it was my dad, that would be my only thing. You made my father die in jail. And since you didn't kill him, I would go after him this way and expose what I'm exposing. Because he has enough information to expose him this way. But I don't you know. I, I'm not in his head, so I don't know why he's not exposing him. All right, I think we covered most of them. Um, we wanted to finish, though, on a big uh, casino drug bust story that we never told um, so far, so I'll let you kind of take that away. So I bought the property. Uh, everybody knows the estate that uh, I had. The shooting was at when they tried to hit me on my property. And at that time, uh, a lot of guys were uh, the Fidelli brothers, uh, Danny and Dino. Uh, Danny was still living rent in the back house after I bought the property off them years ago. I bought it. It's $10 million estate uh, now. We put roads in and pools in and boxing gyms and a pavilion to work out and another uh, outdoor boxing ring and trying to think, baseball cages. Everything was on that, on that site. But uh, when I bought the property from uh, the Finelli's family, I maintained friendships with Dino. He's you know, one of the guys that got rid of the guns after I did that shooting on that property. Um, I had another guy, Danny Morrow, who was uh, involved with the Philly people. He had the relationship to, I, I believe, uh, grandfather or great-grandfather was Angelo Bruno, the boss of Philly. He also was uh, involved a little bit on that incident and knew about it from the discussions with the Finellis. He was good friends with Carmen. I talked about Stephen Larquitondo and uh, Rocky Finelli all knew about those incidents and they talked uh, about it in different locations and places. So I was very f friendly with them and we were moving coke in a, in a big manner back in those days. And I had a guy, uh, Guy Peden, who was uh, one of my top drug movers. Uh, he was in prison with Frankie Burke, Jimmy Burke's son. He came home uh, and he came to me and. Frankie Burke didn't want him to move drugs with me at first. And me and Frankie were good friends. We talked, and he was mad at Guy for whatever reason at the time. Uh, and uh, Guy would go down to Atlantic City. We'd go to Harris a lot, and we'd meet down there. Different guys. There was a kid, Joey, that would come down, and uh, my cousin, Patsy. And he'd bring a slew of guys down, and I'd meet him in Atlantic City because my house was about 45 minutes from there. They'd come from New York. And I introduced him to Danny Finelli and another guy, Tommy, and a couple other guys. Tommy's a real tough kid from Jersey. He was friends with Finelli's at the time. And I won't use his last name, uh, but Tommy C, so people that don't know, but do know him, that, who I'm talking about. And we would move uh, 500 to 1,000 pounds of weed at that time. And uh, so I told Guy, sit with him, talk to Danny, talk to some of his friends, and give him the weed. So he does that. He gives them uh, weed. These guys are moving weed. No big deal. Pot's not uh, that serious for charge uh, back then. And uh, he goes behind my back to one of their other friends. And he brings me, I, I don't remember, a couple hundred thousand because we're always exchanging money. And, you know, which was big money back then. You're talking about in the late 80s. Uh, it was early 90s, actually. So it's the early 90s, it's uh, 1992 to be exact when this happens. He brings me a couple hundred thousand and uh, I meet him in Atlantic City, he gives me a bag and we leave. You know, and we're regulars, everybody knows us, all the waitresses know us, the pit bosses know us. Um, 
I had a lot of contacts down there. Actually, we were supposed to kill Louis de Bono down there originally. When they asked me to kill, Gotti asked me to kill Louis de Bono because they couldn't get, catch him in New York. He was in Atlantic City, and I had all hooks in Atlantic City at that time. Uh, and then Guy Peden goes behind my back without my knowledge, and uh, he sells four kilos to a guy, asks him for four kilos of coke. Never tells me about it. And uh, we had Stevie on my show, Stevie Newell. Mm -hmm. You remember we had Stevie yeah, Newell? Yeah, he passed away. Yeah, Stevie condolences, and his son's a good kid. But Stevie and me were good friends, and over this we had the falling out, and that's over this is when I shot Stevie Newell. Mm -hmm. And me and Stevie spoke about it for the people who didn't hear it on one of the which, shows. You can go back to one of the and shows. And I'll, I'll interrupt real quick, which was unbelievable because we had Stevie Newell on our show. This was probably about two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, and this was someone that John had shot in the leg, and you guys had made up and been friends after. Shot oh, in the ass. oh, in the excuse me, in the ass. <laughs> and it was interesting. I mean, at least for me at that point, it was very interesting to see. You know, like I don't know if I could ever sit down with somebody who shot me, but it was all. You know, it kind of goes to show what the life was about. You know, that it was business and then later on now that everything is done it's it could be friendship and you know sadly he passed away uh, i think a year or two well after. he all worked for me and stevie so the people that know stevie worked for me a guy got killed he got accused of the killing because he was talking about it and he really didn't do the killing and he happened to be in a jail cell with the yep. guy's brother and i won't bring their names into it for now but so he get he gets hit with a murder and he beats the murder rap he goes to trial on it and uh he comes home, and uh, but before that, me and Stevie meet, and it's about seventy-five thousand. He owes a guy peeing for a couple of kilos, and I said, "Give me the seventy-five thousand." He didn't give me the seventy-five thousand. He says, "Guy's full of shit," and I'm trying to do the right thing by Guy because he's in jail, and he gets hit with a four-kilo pinch. But to go backwards a little bit, before he gets hit with that pinch, he sells the guy to four kilos, and he puts him on a telephone with me. And they're at a, a, a phone somewhere, and I, I'm talking to the guy, and he says, hey, why don't you come to Atlantic City uh, tomorrow, and you know we'll meet and we'll talk. Now, I think I'm talking about marijuana only. Uh, I don't know that he gave him four kilos. I don't know that guy's been threatening him because the guy don't pay him. And I don't know he's threatening him, telling him that if I don't get my money, I'm going to kill him. So the guy goes to the FBI, and he's wearing a wire. So when he's on the phone with me, I'm not saying anything, just saying I'm going to meet is in Atlantic City. So they set up the meeting in Atlantic City. I think they're going to talk to me about picking up more than a thousand pounds now. I'm thinking because we had conversations prior to that, they, they might need about 2,500 pounds. So I said, all right, I'll be down there. So we hang up the phone, nothing's discussed, and they leave each other. Meanwhile, this guy's been taping Guy Pete in the last, I think it was four or five or six tapes they had on him. So they were trying to get him good on, on the money. Now, Guy Peden tells me afterwards, uh, they were, he kept talking about the sports business, which I'll get back to that. So they go down to Atlantic City, Guy Peden calls me up, and he plays a lot of roulette, but he plays big. He plays for big money, you know. Some days it hit fifty, sixty thousand, and you know he was playing serious money. We're making serious money. We're all driving nice cars, Corvette convertibles. He had a Cadillac. He's buying houses. We bought a building on Jamaica Avenue of the bar that we owned, the uh, Jägermeisters, and I was supposed to have actually twenty percent of that building. He owes me that still. Uh, after he cooperates, I don't get that money. Sounds like I don't think you're gonna see that. Nah. <laughs> and uh, about seven guys go into the Harris Casino. And there's about 20 agents sitting around the casinos as if they're playing, they have a sting operation. And a guy walks in with another guy that I know, and they believe it's me that I came in. So they give him a green light to, to lock them all up. And they 20, about 20 agents round them up, they all get locked up. It's all over the media, it's all over the news. And I never showed up to Harris. My son at the time was two years old. He had a bad fever and I brought him to a hospital, a virtual hospital. Uh, no, not virtual, but it was called something before virtual in Voorhees. So I end up calling Guy up and he's not answering. And I beep him for him to beat me back. He's not answering my beeps. 
and I keep beating them, and I can't. And then I see on the news they all got locked up, and they're saying I got locked up. But the media didn't get it right. Uh, the guy just looked like me. He was actually an innocent guy. He had nothing to do with anything. He just was one of the guys who was down there, and he was wearing a white sweatsuit. I had a white sweatsuit that I used to wear. It looked like a parachute, a uh, white sweatsuit, like a parachute. And uh, the guy was about my size, and they thought it was me, and they all got pinched. It was all over the news, drug bust, and in the Harris Casino, Sting Operation, and uh, I go see Guy's uh, sister, who I was friends with. He used to call her Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, so I go see his sister, and then I go see the mother. And the mom and the sister start talking to me about Guy has is worried that I'm gonna kill him. Mm. So, you know, I'll, obviously I'm telling the mother and her sister, I really wasn't contemplating killing him. I said, I'd never kill your son. I says, why is he even thinking this? And you know, I'm talking to him. But I don't know yet that he sold four kilos to him. <laughs> so I don't know what this is about yet. They just said it was a drug bust. It didn't say kilos, it didn't say pot, it didn't say anything yet. And eventually I find out what it's for and he won't call me. Now I'm trying to get him to call me. He's making excuses why he's not calling me. So I think that's when he originally started flipping and becoming an informant. And... Uh, he tries to set Ronnie one arm up, uh, myself, and eventually he gets out of jail. But before he gets out of jail, I ask, "How is he going?" I'm trying to get involved in the case, and they're not giving me the, the the circumstances of the case. They're not giving me the information. I'm asking for the paperwork because now I, I know something's wrong. Right. And uh, I see Stevie. I go meet Stevie Newell on the Jersey Turnpike. Me and Stevie talk about this. And I said, give me the 75,000, you owe him 75,000 for two kilos. Because Stevie worked for, they all worked for me, but he was one of uh, Guy's guys. Guy had him, he had another kid, Kevin, he had little Joey, uh, Fat Joey, Squigs. Uh, he had about 15 guys that were moving for him. These are all my workers on the guys. Because I had different guys all over. And these guys were, so they're coming to me and they're explaining to me what's going on. So now I know it's about cocaine and now I know the story that the guy was trying to get me on uh, on a wire, which he could never have got me because I didn't talk about anything. I didn't know anything about cocaine. And guy finally calls me from jail and uh, starts talking to me. He says, no, the, I could beat this case. They had papers on me for, for uh, my game, you know, because we had sports business right. too. And they had paperwork on him, he said, for the sports business, so they think it's for sports. He owes me money for sports. I never said it was for coke. I never said it was for weed. But I'm getting other information because I hire a lawyer and investigator right. to find out. And they tell me he's lying. Uh, there was a woman agent that was dealing with work with him, and he finally gets out. He says on a bail. And I think that's when they put him back on the street to you know, come after me and uh, try to get me on... Uh, drug you know, drug case. And I, then I, I stopped really talking to him and we have a meeting in the McDonald's in Howard Beach. And he, he's bringing up Ronnie one arm to me a lot. And you know, you gotta talk to Ronnie, he still owes me money from the, because I would feed these guys, Ronnie one arm, all these guys, I'd front them a couple of kilos of Coke. So I'd give them, uh, I'd give Vinnie Gotti's brother-in-law, Joey Dank was a good friend of mine, who was aces with money. I'd give him four or five keys at a time. So he starts bringing all this up in, right. in the McDonald's. And I was with, and it doesn't matter, the girl, but I was with the girl in the McDonald's and I told her, I said, this guy's wearing a wire, I think, something's up. I said, so I go, go sit over there while I talk to him. So I already knew ahead of time that, you know, maybe he's trying to wire up and do that. And, uh, you know, they try to move the case against me, but I never got locked up for it. I didn't have anything to do with it. And uh, at the time, they had about 700 pounds of, of weed left that was unsold. So I'm looking for the guy that has my weed now on top of everything else. And they took the 700 pounds and threw it in a, in a, uh, a container, garbage container in a complex. So I grabbed one of my friends. He's a legitimate guy, this guy, John. He's going to watch this. He's going to laugh. Legitimate guy, nice guy. And I said to him, listen, there's like 700 pounds in this garbage. He says, but the feds are all over. They're kicking everybody's door in. I says, but there's no way I'm going to lose that kind of money. I said, you're talking about crazy money. What's 700 pounds at the time? Well, even if, I don't know what it was going for, say 1,000 a pound. 
Jesus. So, you know, uh, about that, you know, back in those, depending on what we had, I don't think it was great wheat because some of the other stuff we were getting, 1400 1200 So I said, you want, you know, we got to go get it. I said, now there's these Spanish guys that were involved with us, with the wheat from Mexico, and they're involved. They didn't right. get, they weren't, they weren't paid out all in cash. So we owed them money. And, uh, I, it's it's a funny story because I go to Danny's father-in-law who's dead now and as soon as I walk up to his driveway he pulls a gun <laughs> and he's scared he thinks I'm going to do something You know, they're all paranoid they think I'm going to kill guys and shoot guys everybody's running from me and I said to him uh, I forget his, his first name Tony I said Tony put the gun down mm -hmm. and it was a, it was the summertime so I'm wearing a tank top undershirt and he's yelling put your hands up keep your hands up and he's shaking and he's got the gun pointed at me I go you're gonna shoot me get your hand off the trigger I didn't come here I just came here to talk to him now these same people used to babysit my kids so you imagine right they're like grandparents to my kids they got a gun to my head so I go put the gun down I'm not gonna he goes I ain't putting no fucking gun down I go so what do you want to do I says I said, then I'm going to walk back out the driveway. I said, relax. He goes, you're not leaving. So he wouldn't let me leave. He wouldn't <laughs> let me go in. And I said, let me just show you I have nothing. Right, right. He was screaming at me, but I still did it. And he's, don't move your hands. I go, let me just show you. And I lift up my undershirt to show him I got no weapons. Huh. And, and he goes, I'm going to fucking shoot you if you move. And I said, let me just turn around slowly. You can look at my back. I got no guns yet. So funny. And finally, the guy said, I says, just relax i only want to talk to danny and he wouldn't let me walk back in and i said well i'm going to walk back out and he goes no you're not eventually i walk out and he doesn't shoot me and i really thought he was going to shoot me because he was so scared you're not because he's pretty scared for your life he's a, he's a hunter so you know you know oh he's yeah a gun. Fuck. but he was scared because he's thinking i'm going to shoot it's easy to hunt animals they're not shooting at you he thinks i'm going to come to shoot him so the, it this case started bubbling in different directions because you got this guy you're talking about shoot me. You got me shooting Stevie Newell. And I shot Stevie in a in like a, a supermarket. Like it was a bait and tackle place, but at the supermarket too. So I walked in and shot him in front of everybody. So I got that going on. And then I had these guys going on. I had this guy ratting at the same time. And I had the feds all over me. Uh, meanwhile, the, the coke business, I am in the coke business, just not with that guy. And eventually the case gets thrown out. And like I said, guy was on the street, you know, uh, trying to get information, I guess. And, Jeez. And uh, me and Stevie end up making up, and then I never see guy really after that much. I mean, I haven't seen him in years since. And then Stevie comes on the show. And then me and Stevie made up years later, and uh, we talked about everything. You, apolog you apologize for shooting him? We both laughed about it, because he said it hit his nuts, too. You know, and I was like, because I shot him, and then I punched him. Oh, nice. You know, so I did both. And, you know, he was on the floor, and I clicked the gun to his head. And he looked up at me, and he's like, you know, and I go, I said, I better get my money. And then so we joked about it later on. So crazy that you guys could even, like, I don't know. I don't know if I could sit next but to But he did the movie Perfect Gangster, too. So if people want to watch Perfect Gangster, right. watch Stevie Newell. And you'll see what he says. Because he's the one that says in Perfect Gangsta, for the, the, the people earlier yeah. who asked that question, yeah. about he says he watched captains and different people answer to me. Now, he says, this is a guy I shot. This is not a guy. There's other people that, uh, that I was involved with, that I was involved in murders and shootings, were against me to also talk about this on Perfect Gangsta. So, and for the people that want to know that if I cared about guys' positions, I really didn't unless I liked them. And the only guy that really controlled me like that was the father. And obviously, and uh, or it wouldn't be alive too. So when people question that, uh, why am I alive? The father would have had me killed if he didn't like me. I love that story. I was trying to see if there's any other questions we missed. I think we're uh, we hit them all, but I think another great episode. Um, I'm surely people are gonna have more things to say. We're happy to answer. I think that's honestly the difference. I really don't watch a lot of this content, but from what I have. You know, a lot of these guys, they talk and then they don't answer the hard questions or like, you know, well, we, we thing, answer everything. I mean, and that's the thing. People ask questions about, you know, that property shooting when I'm talking about killing guys and maybe kill two or three on my property, but definitely two. I was at a 
a christening the other day, and one of the guys that were involved in this was yeah. there telling a story. No. So I left. I said, you know what? It's funny how many guys were actually, these are not street guys either. These guys are all regular guys who were helping me right. move the, the, the evidence and the guns and the blood and the, this and that. And watching my kid, you know, at the time I only had my son Jimmy in the house with my ex-wife. So they went in with machine gun for me and sat in the back room because I had machine guns all over the place at that time. And then I showed up uh, and that, that happened. But so when people are questioning things, you know, uh, there's nothing to question. It happened. These are the things that happened. There's too many guys involved. I'm too detailed. I, I go through this all the time. Well, we appreciate you guys watching. Um, please make sure you like this video. Subscribe to our channel if you haven't done so already. And um, subscribe to our Patreon channel that you can find in the description of this video. And we'll respond to everything that you guys comment. So keep commenting, keep engaging. Uh, at the end of the day, we appreciate your support. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. Thank you. Subscribe.